I'm going to preach. This is not like the Springboks tunnel where you come through. Just stay focused, Brooke. Morning, Father God. Thank you for the gathering, Father God, that we can be here this morning. Thank you for the blessing of a new day, Father God, and that we can actually be so privileged to sit here in your presence, Father God. I pray your blessing over Donnie this morning as the word is spoken, Lord, your word, that it settles in our heart, Father God, that it's not forgotten, that it just flows through us like your life-giving blood, Father God. Let it settle. Let your presence be with us today, Father God, now and forevermore. And I just thank you for this gathering of people. Thank you for we are the church, Father, and your hand of blessing over Donnie. Let this word settle in our hearts. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now you can sort of clap. Kind of like a little bit. <clears throat> We've been talking about the call of God. And uh, like I said, I've really been praying um, for us to grasp some of this we've 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 painted very broad strokes and there's a very good reason for that because i think most of the time when we talk about being called by god or the call of god most times we run into trouble as if we don't understand the broad strokes so i've been very intentional um coming from the big picture and into the details and not starting with the details because often we we start with our own life what's my call what is it and and i think there's a there's a better approach a biblical approach is to start with god before we existed god was there and if you want to solve the big questions about meaning the meaning of life the purpose of life you have to go back to god outside of him it just you cannot make sense of it all and so we've, we've understood from, from last week that um, God has this, this heavenly agenda and uh, he's moving history towards an end. And the reason for that is because us as humanity, we've been contaminated by sin. And so, uh, um, Karusha, please come and tell us quickly how it went, just shortly. Is that, is that okay? Some Turkish um, delight. <laughs> just, uh, just tell us <laughs> that's not on the video so um, just for those who don't know Karusha has just been on a trip um, overseas and she's just going to give us a little bit of feedback on how that went morning everyone um, sorry I'm still processing so my thoughts may not be in order so please forgive me if it's all over the place um, firstly, I just want to thank God because it's been an amazing trip and the opportunity that he gave to me was just incredible. And I also want to thank each and every one of you for, for praying. There's so many things that could have gone wrong, but it didn't. Uh, and I just want to thank God for that. I won't bore you with those details. Um, yeah, it was absolutely incredible. We met the most amazing people. Every single Christian that we met had either been imprisoned uh, well, more than three times, two or three times, because of them preaching the gospel. Um, and yet they still continue. It's, it's crazy. Like every day they live their lives for Jesus and they're literally laying down their lives for Jesus because many of them were told that if they got caught again, they would be executed because in terms of Sharia law, you, if you convert, you have to be executed. So we've met a lot of Iranians who had um, sought refugee status in Turkey. They cannot go back home because if they do go back home, they will be executed. Um, in Turkey, you're not allowed, if you're under 18, to attend a service like this. Um, you 
have to then, I don't know, find another way and, and it's just, it's, it's very difficult, especially for children because they feel that children are impressionable and uh, they don't want children exposed mm. to, the, to the gospel. Um, we've heard amazing stories of how God has worked in, through visions and dreams, through the earthquake victims. So many came to know Jesus. Um, we've met individuals who were just, there's so many stories, but it's just been, it's been incredible to see people who, despite the security issues, because we went to a community center that's a refuge community center for, uh, for Christians, and they have services there. But they've got these bolts, like about five or six bolts in the door, and each bolt has about five fingers going through. Like the security is incredible. We went to a service. There were police outside because they're known for attacking the, the church services. And it's like you stand there and you're gently rebuked because despite all of that, these brothers and sisters of ours are worshiping without abandon. And they're so free in their worship despite the challenges that they that they come across. And Jesus is doing something amazing. Despite the oppression and the persecution, the word is still going out. He is still being known. I mean, he's placing people in strategic places for the gospel to be shared, for, for people to be pr protected almost. I'm gonna try and say the story without crying. <laughs> but we met someone who, um, she was, she was a mom, a 21-year-old baby, a 21-day-old baby, and she was arrested. And her husband and her were put into prison, and they were not allowed to sleep, and they kept force-feeding them something to drink, but they're not allowed to use the bathroom. So you have to sit there and answer all these questions over and over again, and, and almost say no to your faith, but they refused to. And then we met uh, someone who told the story of this judge who, um, or this man was arrested and, and for preaching the gospel and he was uh, set to be executed and the prosecutor just kept going on and on about why he should be executed. And the judge was sitting there with his turban and his whole gear and then he asked for the prosecutor to be excused so it was just the accused and him. And the accused was like really scared and shaken and then the judge looks at him and he says, brother, it's going to be okay. So Jesus is placing people in the most strategic places. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, but it's just, it's been incredible and God's amazing. And yeah, so thank you to each and every one of you. That's so good. So good. Father, we keep praying for those regions, Lord God, as the church of Jesus, we are, we're just humbled again and grateful, as Karusha said, Lord God, for the privilege we have. And we pray for those regions and, and ask, Lord, let the gospel um, break into those unreached areas and those difficult countries, Lord, in Jesus' name. Awesome. So cool. Great. So <clears throat> back to what we were saying, um, God has a master plan. And um, part of what he's had to do is to bring earth to an end so that he can have a new beginning. And that's because we've been contaminated by sin. All this is happening because of sin. And so God's bringing things to an end. He's bringing history to an end. We have an end, but there is a new beginning for those who believe in Jesus Christ. And that is a, a, a beginning that will last into eternity. And... Um, 
this, this theme of being called is how we participate in God's plan. And I think uh, many people will ask this question, well, God, what is your plan for my life? And I don't think it's the right question. Um, because it's not like every time a child is born, God's going to Gabriel, um, we've got 365 million plans, pick one for this one. It's not like a tailor-made plan suited, like we have medical aid plans and other plans and, order, and pick a plan. I don't think it works like that. I think that before we were born, God has a plan. And the question really is, Lord, how does my life fit into your plan? Really, the thinking has to change. We're very individualistic in terms of that. And, and listen to this language. Here's a scripture. Matthew 25, 34, Jesus says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now, just use your um, brain. If there's an inheritance prepared for us since the beginning of the world, how many of you were there at the beginning of the world? Just put your hand up. No, Uncle Sakes. Keep your hand down. No one, which means the plan was put in place long before we came along. The question, can you see the language of the Bible? It's a much better way of thinking about it. God has a master plan. How does my life fit into God's plan? Rather than like, oh God, what's your plan for my life? It's, it's where we mostly go wrong with the call of God. We, we are, uh, it's not all about us. It's actually all about Him. And we were created for his purpose. Here's another scripture, Galatians 1.15. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I may preach him among the Gentiles. Can you see? Uh, Springboks are slow out the blocks. The first half wasn't good anyways, wasn't it? I did, on Dropbox. You go to the file with it. When I was, before I was born, God set me apart. Then he called me. Then he revealed. Then I preached. Can you see the order? Before I was born, the plan is there. Then God calls me to the plan. Then God reveals his son. Then I preach. That's the, that's the way we need to approach this. Because actually the plan was set in motion long before we came for, for the son to have a bride. Let's have a look at what Jesus has said. I'm just reinforcing this big picture idea, and then we'll look at some of the details. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew 22, please. Matthew 22. I'm gonna, like, I don't hear any pages rustling. You guys are all... No, it's 22. <laughs> oh, the year, okay. It is. I'm just giving the guys a bit of time. Matthew 22, verse 1. Let's read this together. Jesus also told them another uh, parable, and I'm reading the NLT. I'm not sure what translation you've got. He said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. Can you see it there? Even what Jesus is saying is the theme of all history is a wedding feast for a son of a king. It's right there. And then he says, when the banquet was ready, he sent 
his servants to notify those who were invited. And I want you to notice just the characters in the story because there's this king and he has a son and he's prepared a wedding for his son. And then there's the servants whom he sends out and he says, go and invite. The word invite is the word um, kalios. It's the, it's the word call. It's the same word call. It's the same word we use when we, we talk about God calling things that are not as though they were. It's not just like a, a casual calling. It's, it's go and call, go and invite. And um, verse 4, uh, well, it says, He sent His servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So He sent other servants to tell them, The feast has been prepared. The bulls and the fattened calf have been killed. Oh, okay. There we go. Second half. The bulls and the fattened calf have been killed and everything is ready. Imagine that you get an invite to a, 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 the most powerful king's wedding. And he says, listen, everything is done. All included. All you have to do is come. What an invite. Verse 5, but the guests uh, he had invited ignored him. They went on their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Verse 6, others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. Then the king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn down their town. How's that? You refuse this invite, you're as good as dead. John says, anyone who doesn't believe is, is, is condemned already. You're walking with a death sentence if you don't respond to the gospel call. And then it says here in verse 8, And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited are not worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. Can you say everyone you see? You see, this invite is actually for everyone. And so the servants brought in everyone they could find, the good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to meet the guests, can you say meet the guests? There is a time, this might not seem very personal right now, but Jesus said to his disciples, who do the people say I am? And they said, some say this, some say that. And then he said, but what about you? Who do you say I am? As a very personal thing, when the king walks up to you at the wedding banquet, and it says here that he noticed this guy uh, um, wasn't wearing proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked. Friend, he asked. Not guest, friend. How is it that you are here without wedding clothes? And the man had no reply. Then the king said this to his aides. Bind his hands and feet, throw him into the outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I'm not going to comment on the teeth thing again. For many are called, but few are chosen. What a portion of scripture. And for some people, they get very confused about the called and the chosen and, and all of that stuff. But I want to say a couple of things here. The focus is the wedding of the king's son. Always has been, always will be. And that, don't get confused by the gender thing. A bride for Christ is men and women, people who belong to Him. People who know Him. People who belong to Him. 
people who walk with him, people who, who like his very original intention when he created man is to be in that intimate relationship with him. You get it? And so what we see here present at the wedding is the, the, the king, his bride, uh, and, and Jesus has prepared everything for us. Remember when Jesus went? He said, I'm going to do what? How did he prepare a place? He took his blood. He went through the heavens. He mediated a new covenant. He offered his blood to the Father. He opened the way for us. And he is preparing a place for us, but we have to prepare ourselves for the place that he's preparing. And so um, you have these guests. It's the, it's the invited people. It's those who are called. And... Um, for me, this is the first calling all of us have is a call to salvation. It's a call to salvation. And this is the most important call. It's not more important than what we do. It's the most important call we can ever have in our life. It's the invitation to the, the, the wedding feast of the Lamb. It's the call to salvation. It's like everything is done. He paid the price. It is finished. What you have to do is confess your sin, repent, and believe in Jesus to apply that. And uh, for me, this is the gospel call, and it goes out to everyone. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says, we ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because he chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel. He called you through our gospel. What does that mean? The gospel is a call for you and I to share in the glory of Christ. And that call goes out to everyone. Everyone deserves this invitation. Through the work of the cross. If you reject this call, biggest flop of your life. I'm telling you. Imagine these guests. You get this invitation. You just ignore it. Are you busy with your farm, your business, your, you're busy with your life? You ignore this call. Next thing, army is there. You're as good as dead. Just think about the gospel. People who, who can't, who don't even have the opportunity to respond to the invite. You're doing all right? Don't get caught up with this thing of, am I chosen? Does God pick? You know what God doesn't do? God doesn't go like, you, 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 you'll be saved. God doesn't pick that. God so loved the world. This message goes out to everyone. And someone once explained it to me like this. It's like a door standing there. And on top of it is, uh, I'm calling you. I'm calling you. You're called. You're called. You're called. Come. Come to the banquet. Come to the banquet. Accept Jesus Christ. Accept the sacrifice. But as you take that the handle of that door, you open it and you walk through and you close it, you look back, it says, you are chosen. You've been chosen. Does it make sense? God calls everyone, but you have to respond to the call. Of course, God knows who will and who won't because God knows the beginning from the end, but it's not like God picks some and doesn't pick everyone. Everyone has a chance through the gospel. Everyone, whoever believes, whoever believes, 
You see, you might not value some people and you might think other people are not important, but whoever believes is invited. The secondary call, the secondary call, now say this very seriously because if you don't understand this, you'll never understand the call of God. The secondary call, first is to belong to Christ. It's to know Him. It's to walk with him. You see, when I get up in the morning, I don't say like, I'm called because I'm a pastor and I'm preaching. No, I'm called because I've been invited to belong. Everything is prepared. I am going to spend eternity with him. It's mind-blowing for me. He set me free from slavery. The secondary call is this word doulos, the servants, doulos or diakonos, which we get the word deacon from it. It just means servants. And they are sent out. The word sent is used 148 times in the New Testament. How's this? Not only do I get to be a guest, but I get to be a servant. You cannot be a servant if you're not a guest. That's how I understand it. And I'll show you from the scriptures here. That word uh, sent means apostello, which means to, to send forth with a very specific task. Remember who Jesus is speaking to here? It's the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, now I want you to think with me here. Please, think with me. The Pharisees are very proud of their own works. Remember Jesus said like, you know, they, they go through land and sea to win one convert. And then they make him more a son of hell than, than before. That's what he said. Matthew 20, go th- read Matthew 23. These are people that are very proud of their good works. Okay? So the king walks into this banquet. And there are the servants. They have secondary call. They were to, to give the invite. There's the guests who receive the invites. And Jesus walks around. He finds the, or the king walks around. He meets this one guy. And he says, like, but you're not dressed in wedding clothes. My question then is, okay, what is it? What is wedding clothes? And there are only two things, and you can search the scriptures, help me theologically, but there are two things. Last week I mentioned one. But here's another one I want to mention. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10. For me at the wedding of the Lamb, there's only one thing I want to be clothed in. And if you're not clothed in it, I tell you, you saw what happened to this guy. For not wearing the right clothes. It's worse than here at City Life. If you wear Crocs, you're out. There will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. Isaiah 61 verse 10. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. And arrayed me in a robe of? No. His righteousness. His righteousness, perfection. Remember, there is imputed righteousness on offer for me when I accept Jesus Christ. He takes my unrighteousness and he gives me as a gift for faith in Christ. He gives me a gift called his righteousness. And lucky I came with a jacket. Who's a volunteer? Derek. 
I don't have a cap, but I, I have a jacket. Here's Derek. The offer for Derek is, go stand over there, my friend. Derek believes in Jesus. There's a divine exchange at the cross. As he believes, what happens is he's given a gift. No, you've got to wear it, bro. Proper. <laughs> Zip it up. It wasn't his before. He didn't clean his own. He didn't change. He, he got given a gift called the righteousness of Jesus. Thank you. I want it back. When you're done. I want us to picture that. You see, the Pharisees were saying, like, to be at the wedding, I got to, and this is what I'm hoping we can uh, change this mindset, that I go to church, I go to church, and if I can just do enough, like, good, if I can just somewhere, somehow get to that place where maybe I can make it into heaven, it's completely the wrong mindset. When I come to the cross, what I am given is the righteousness of Jesus. And I promise you, God's standard is not my standard. However good you are, sir, ma'am, I want to say that you, your righteousness does not meet the standard. And when you stand before the king of kings, in whom is no darkness, zero darkness, I tell you, righteousness means something else. And what we are given is this garment called the righteousness of Christ, given as a free gift. We don't come to church, we are already the church, and we've already been given the garment of His righteousness. Perfect. Perfect. It's, it's mind-boggling. But here's the thing. Revelation 19, now I know what you're saying to me. Ah, oh, Donnie, but last week, I um, hope you're saying this if you listened last week. Revelation 19 verse 8 and I'll read the ESV. It says, It was granted her, the bride, to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and true. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Yeah, you should be confused. So how can my, how can anything righteous that I do even come close to matching the righteousness of Christ? Surely these deeds cannot be referring to a legalistic righteousness that I achieved by obeying the law. I already have that. Are you, are you thinking with me? There's the righteousness of Christ. I cannot put anything, anything compared to that garment is just completely wrong. The reason that guy somehow snuck in but didn't have faith in Christ and wasn't clothed in the righteousness of Christ means no matter what you do, no matter what good you did you do, you can feed a thousand people, you can, you can care, you can give your body to the flames. If you don't believe in Jesus, it all means zero. Because it's not just some random righteous act that you do that we're going to be wearing. No. For me, these righteous deeds, I tell you what it is. If the whole outcome of the end of mankind is a bride for Christ, then only that which is done in partnership with the gospel is actually the good deeds. Does that make sense? Our, our, look at Isaiah 64 verse 6. Our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So if we think like, I'm going to wear the righteousness of Christ and then I'm going to wear my own righteousness, we got it wrong. 
And so some people come to church, they've already got the righteousness of Christ, but they're so hard trying to, trying to maybe one day I'll do something for God when I get more righteous. And I, I tell you, our righteousness, like filthy rags, we should just wear the righteousness of Christ and get on with the work of the gospel. Because the work that, that the deeds of the saints, what's been entrusted to us is the gospel. I'm hoping to mobilize you like, like from this revelation. Most people think the church is a place you gather and try and become better so that you can get to heaven. I don't see that. The church is the vehicle that has the gospel entrusted to her. Be the church by taking this invitation and shouting it out to the world. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God through Christ. It's done. It's all prepared. It's ready. The blood of the lamb has been shed. Come, come, come. Everyone I see, everyone I meet, everyone come. The, the, that's the church. We are guests and we are servants. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Don't be so individualistic. Oh, God created a good work for me to do. How special. Here's the good work, the gospel. Hello? Only those two things. In the presence of the king. Philippians 1 verse 4. And all my prayers for all of you. I pray with great joy because of your partnership in the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5 18. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. All ministry no matter what you feel God has called you to. Must be to reconcile the world back to God. Look what he said. God has reconciled the world to himself through Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Church, it is our job to carry that invitation. That's the good deeds of the saints. Not our own righteousness. And I'm, I'm asking you, what are you waiting for? I'm just asking How, how much more, how much longer before we start shouting it out to our neighbors? Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled. When we take the examples of Jonah, Moses, Joshua, you name it, it's how their lives fit into this agenda of God of getting the gospel out. How God saves people, makes them his people as a testimony to all the nations to see that he is real and that he, he saves by the blood of the lamb. That's the story in and out. Every book of the Bible, it's about that. And so if you understand that, if you understand the bigness of the call of God, you could say right now, Lord, thank you. Number one, I've been called. And if I've been called to be, belong to you, I've opened that door and I look back and I say, I'm chosen. Now, Lord God, if I've said yes to that, how can I not say yes to the other work you've given me? Which is to take the gospel, to be the messengers who go out and invite. And did you notice that the, he sent them out, they got rejected. He sent them out, they got rejected. He sent them out, they were insulted, ignored, abused. He sent them out because we're a sent people. And just because people don't, you know, respond 
It's our privilege. You know, no one else, if you're not born again, you don't have the privilege of being a, a servant. That's our privilege. To invite the world to the wedding of the Lamb. Am I the only one excited about that? I wake up in the morning and I say, Lord, gee, as if it's not enough for me to be called to belong to you. You invite me to partner with you in the work of the gospel. You, you, literally, Lord, you, you've allowed me to invite people to a wedding that I don't have to do anything. You've done it all. All I've got to do is invite. All I've got to do is tell them. I don't think I've got... don't know where to go. So much of the problems of our call in God is because we haven't understood. Lord, actually I was designed and created for that mission. I want to tell you, there's nothing more you need. Yes, God has to work on us and God, as we look at the details with Moses, we see that there are certain things in our lives that God is interested in and that count for him and can make us effective in the call of God and ineffective. But there's nothing more we need. You don't have to wait for next week. You don't have to do another course. You don't have to come to another meeting. You don't have to repent some more and, and before you get the privilege of being involved in the gospel. The church is the vehicle. We are the church. We're clothed with his righteousness. And I tell you, like never before, we've got to get out there and say, Lord, you've sent me to share the invite. I'll ask you, when last have you, have you shared the invite? See, I'm not talking about evangelism and I'm not talking about all your ideas of what we should. I'm talking about servants, doulos, created those around you, your family, the people that God, that you mix with, all of it's designed, part of the plan. I don't want to wait too long. Challenging myself and saying, Lord, come on now. I can't jump into something else, it's too late. Let's respond to the Lord. How's that? We're going to look at the individuals. We're going to look at Moses. We're going to look at those people and see some of the things they encountered. But I feel like so many of us are looking at the call of God in an individualistic way. Like we have an option or we have a choice or it's now, if you've said yes to Jesus, how can we not say yes to being his servants? Now, I feel like the Lord wants to stir our hearts. If we can stand for a moment, please. Um... We're not playing any music. We're not doing anything. You and the Lord. Close your eyes for a moment and just begin to think.
Think about who fits into that category of people. That are the guests in your life. Those who need to know about the invite. Then I want you to think about your own life. Think about what Jesus has done. We celebrated communion this morning. We worshipped him in such a way where we said, like, Lord, you, you know, I often think of, of the slaves coming out of Egypt, 400 years of history. Do you know how hard it is for a nation to come out of slavery? It is virtually impossible. If you speak to anybody today, modern day, who, who, who've been sold as a slave, and I tell you, it's still happening, to get out is just about impossible. Without any intervention, impossible. And yet through the blood of a lamb, God releases a, a nation from slavery. What a thing. Lord, how did you ever save me from sin from bondage, from fear, from anxiety, from a certain destruction. How did you, what an incredible thing. When we get to heaven, we'll be clothed in his righteousness and we will be the guests. It's a parable Jesus spoke about like that. The wedding feast of the Lamb. And in that context, I want us to think about how we live our life. What's shaping our life? Lord, it's time. It's time to get the invite out. I'm not talking about, you know what I mean? It's time to talk about the gospel. We heard Karusha saying like in some places you, you're not even allowed to do it. It's not like that in South Africa. Thank you, Lord, that Ephesians says that your intent, your eternal purpose is through the church to make known the wisdom of God to the powers and principalities. Lord, today, if in any way I have been hesitant in any way, Lord God, I pray that I would hear the call of God so clear, not only for salvation, but Lord God, to be the church who gets the message out to the world be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Lord, if we've become comfortable, if we've become distracted, we're caught up again with you, Jesus. And I pray this morning that we walk out of this building, not with this decision in our own strength, Lord. But as we get up daily and we say, Lord, I belong to you. Jesus, what can I do for you? Jesus, what can I say on your behalf? Jesus, what can I, how can I serve on your behalf? Jesus, here's my body, a living sacrifice. My mouth, my hands, my feet. Lord, may we begin to get that invite out to the world around us, Lord. May we not be afraid. Time is short, Lord. This invite is a life and death matter. Stir us this morning in Jesus' name. Lord, it's not a 
performance thing. It's not a doing thing. It's just coming out of being and living in that way that people begin to see. It's a time, Lord God, honestly, more than ever, we don't want man's solutions. Salvation you've made available for us is what we need. The gospel is what we need. And so I pray for this in Jesus' name. Stir us, Lord. As Jonathan prayed, Lord, let this word sit on us. We really have the righteousness of Christ. It's time for the church, Lord God, to be who you've called us to be. Deal with our fear. Deal with our inadequacies. Give us a joy and a boldness. As we get that message out there in Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Please remember, ladies, you need to register. We'll see you this afternoon for the training. Uh, my encouragement to you is honestly take stock of this. Give it some thought. And let's get cracking. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's have coffee. All those who are on the serving team, all those who are on the setup or the serving team, you're going to grab a coffee, you're going to take a seat in the front here to chat in about five minutes. You're keen to be involved, we'll see you there. The serving team and all those who are keen to be involved.